by his grace and his mercy. Calvary's love is the reason we're here today. Amen? Don't ever forget that. We're not here because of anything we've done. We're not here because of anything we can do. We're here because of Calvary's love, plain and simple. Well, we can, we can finish and go home. That was a sermon right there. <laughs> Thank you, Brother Gary, for filling the, uh, the song leading for me this morning. It's such a blessing when uh, I have to preach that I don't have to sing as well. I've got to tell you, though, it is hard standing over there. Uh, when, you, when you've stood up here as many years as I have and led the sing, I don't, I don't care to stand up here and preach. I really don't. I do this out of necessity. But, boy, I tell you, when he's up here singing and I'm over there, uh, I just want to run up here and push him out the way and take over. But praise the Lord. I want to thank the ladies, um, Melissa and uh, Carla and Diane. Uh, not, not Diane, uh, Catherine. <laughs> I want to thank you ladies for working with the children. Wasn't that wonderful this morning? Uh, I tell you, I love hearing those kids sing. I wish they could sing and not us. Cause, uh, well, thank you, John. I appreciate that. Vote of confidence <laughs> in the choir. But uh, thank you ladies for the hard work you put into working with those children. Let me tell you, all of you, not one moment you ever spend working with children is wasted. Not one moment. So remember that. When you have a chance, you be, all of you adults, when you have the opportunity, be a mentor to a young child and tell them of Jesus and and do what you can to help them understand the love and the grace of God. So don't forget that. All right. Well, take your Bibles with me this morning. And turn to 2 Kings chapter 5. 2 Kings chapter 5. This morning I want to preach a message entitled, A Journey into Faith. And we're going to, I'm going to preach from a a familiar story this morning, the story of Naaman the leper. And I just want to make some observations today. Something that I think if, if each of us will remember will help us as we strive to walk with Christ and walk with God and, and, and be a glory unto him in our daily lives. Uh, I'm not going to read the entire chapter, but if you'll stand with me, I'll read uh, probably um, through till I, I think I've read enough and I'll stop. <laughs> Amen? Don't know where that'll be, so it's kind of a trip for all of us. I just, we'll make a stop when we're ready. First, uh, Second Kings chapter 5. Now Naaman, captain of the host of the king of Syria was a great man with his master, and honorable, because by him the Lord had given deliverance unto Syria. He was also a mighty man in valor, but he was a leper. And the Syrians had gone out by companies and had brought away captive out of the land of Israel a little maid, and she waited on Naaman's wife. And she said unto her mistress, Would God my Lord were with the prophet that is in Samaria, for he would recover him of his leprosy. And one went in and told his Lord, saying, Thus and thus said the maid that is of the land of Israel. And the king of Syria said, Go to, go, and I will send a letter unto the king of Israel. And he departed and took with him ten talents of silver and six thousand pieces of gold and ten changes of raiment. And he brought the letter to the king of Israel, saying, Now when this letter is come unto thee, behold, I have therewith sent Naaman my servant, Uh, to thee, that thou mayest recover him of his leprosy. Let's pray. Our Father, words cannot express our, our love for you. Yet, all that we can imagine as love is nothing compared to how you love us.
So we just ask that you would teach us, Lord, that you would help us to understand your heart, that you would help us to love you as we should, to, to appreciate you as we, as we should. Help us, Lord, to dedicate and live our lives to your glory, for this is reasonable, as we read earlier today. Thank you for your word and the truth of it. Now I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would strengthen us and teach us from God's word. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. There is so much, there is so much that I could preach from this passage of Scripture this morning. However, given time restraints, I will do my best to stay the course that God has laid on my heart today. This morning, I'm speaking to three different groups of people. First, this morning, I'm speaking to those who are lost. You may be sitting here, you may know of God, but you do not know God. You may enjoy church, you may enjoy the scriptures, but they have no real meaning to you. Then I'm also speaking this morning to those who are saved, but whose hearts have wandered from God. No longer does the, the hymns stir your heart like they once did. No longer does the, does the preaching of the word of God warm you and, 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 and set a fire in you. You've just seemed to, seems like you've just grown complacent and kind of wandered away. Then I'm speaking to those this morning who are saved and who are striving to walk in truth. You're doing everything you can to, to live your life the way that the Lord would have you live it. So I want to gather us all together today and put us all in one vehicle, and we're going to take a trip. I like road trips. Actually, I don't like road trips. I like trips. I'd like to fly. My wife doesn't like to fly. So we drive 42 hours instead of flying five. Amen? (laughs) But I want to take us all on a journey this morning, a journey that will bring a man from death unto life. And as we take this journey, I pray that each of us will have our strength strengthened. Our, our, I'm sorry, our faith strengthened today. Now, in our readings this morning, I, I, know, I find a few characters that I want to focus in on for a few moments. So I want to begin this morning, number one, with Naaman the leper. Now, the Bible does not give us any insight into the upbringing or the lifestyle of Naaman. However, from what the Bible does tell us of him, we can infer a few things. So grant me a little latitude as I discuss Naaman with us this morning. First of all, I want to note letter A, he was a man of character. In 2 Kings chapter 5 and verse 1, we read just a moment ago, Now Naaman, captain of the host of the king of Syria, was a great man with his master and honorable. One does not rise to commanding the armies of a nation without being a man of character. Naaman was obviously well-educated for his day. He would have to be a man of discipline, a man of integrity. And as we sit here this morning, we must consider for a moment our own character. But what is character? How can we define it? Well, Webster's Dictionary defines character as this, the aggregate of features and traits that form the individual nature of a person or thing. So character basically is what we truly are. 
character can be good, but it can also be poor as well. As a rule, we associate good character with people who are honest, industrious, compassionate, and so forth. And from what we can see in Scripture, this would seem to befit Naaman. These are the attributes by which we should all strive to be identified. I'd like you to take your Bibles with me and turn to Ephesians chapter 4. Now be ready with your Bibles. You may want to keep a marker in 2 Kings in case you want to come back. But be ready because we will turn to some scriptures this morning. So let's go to Ephesians chapter 4. I like to turn to scriptures because it says God's word, not mine. So let's take a look at what he has to say. Ephesians chapter 4, I'll begin reading at verse 21. Just read along with me if you will. If so be that ye have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus, that ye put off concerning the former conversation the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that ye put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Wherefore, putting away lying, speak every man truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Be ye angry, and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. Neither give place to the devil. Let him that stole steal no more, but rather let him labor, working with his hands the thing which is good, that he may have to give to him that needeth. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed under the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be ye kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. What a, what a beautiful picture of a, of a person of character, amen? The scriptures we just read would be, would be the type of person every one of us in this room would desire to be, desire to, 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 to exhibit those characteristics in our life. You may be sitting here this morning and say, I, I'm pretty good. I'm a pretty good person. I possess this type of character. What more do I need? Well, this very question was posed to Jesus. In Matthew chapter 19, I won't read it again. I read it at Sunday school hour. We saw the story of the young man, the rich young ruler who came to Jesus. And in Matthew chapter 19, verses 16 through 20, and he said, Oh, all these things I've kept from my youth. What more, uh, what, what lack I yet? Remember Jesus' response. Go and sell all that you have and give it to the poor and follow me. In other words, Jesus said, empty yourself. Get rid of your own self. Come to me empty and I will fill you with my spirit. And then you will follow me. Let it suffice to say this morning that Naaman was a man of character. And may I say that not all lost men are derelicts, by the way. You know, sometimes we, as, as God's children, sometimes as believers, we get, to, we get to feeling pretty haughty, don't we? We get to looking down our nose at people and think, huh, man, I, I'm better than that. 
me say this. Some people of outstanding character will awaken in the fires of hell. Matthew chapter 7, verses 21 through 23, we read, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? And in thy name have cast out devils? And in thy name done many wonderful works? And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. This morning, if you are here and you are lost and know not the Savior, let me say this. Do not sit back and trust in your good character to get you into the kingdom of God. But not only do we see that Naaman was a man of character, secondly, I want you to notice that he was a man of consequence. Once again, in 2 Kings chapter 5 and verse 1, we read, Now Naaman, captain of the host of the king of Syria, was a great man uh, with his master and honorable, because by him the Lord had given deliverance unto Syria. He was also a mighty man in valor. Naaman was a man of consequence. Now, by this, I mean that Naaman was a man of great importance and great influence. As the captain of the host of Syria, Naaman would but have to give a command, and it would be obeyed. Some of us here this morning, we may be men or women of importance or or of of influence in our communities. We, We may be accustomed to seeing our desires met. We may be accustomed to getting what we want when we want it. And our society will often wrongly equate this as blessings from the Lord. And perhaps in some instances it is. I mean, we all have to admit that America has been greatly blessed by God over the 234 years of our nation's existence, has it not? But does this equate to godliness? Well, some men think it do. 1 Timothy chapter 6, Paul writes, If any man teach otherwise and consent not to wholesome words, even the words of our Lord Jesus Christ, and to the doctrine which is according to godliness, he is proud, knowing nothing, but doting about questions and strifes of words, whereof come envy, strife, railings, evil surmisings, perverse disputings of men of corrupt minds, and destitute of the truth, supposing that gain is godliness. From such withdraw thyself. Some men would equate godliness to success. What about Job? You see, that was Job's friends, by the way. They came to Job on the ash heap and started telling Job why he was suffering all these things. They thought Job had sinned, and because he'd sinned, God was punishing him. I could launch off into a whole message right there, but I've got to stay on course. We're, we're taking a trip, remember. Thank you. But the truth is that Jesus reminded us that it is possible to be a person of great influence, a person of great authority, and never see the kingdom of God, losing your own soul for all eternity. For in Mark chapter 8, verses 36 and 37, we read, For what shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? People say, oh, I wish I was Bill Gates. Not me. Not unless he's saved. 
Because all of his wealth isn't going to do him any good when he faces death the same as I do. I'd rather be the beggar at Lazarus' table, at Lazarus's gate, than I would be Bill Gates. Amen? Oh, let me tell you this morning, do not sit back and trust in your character. Do not sit back this morning and, and trust in, in your influence or your importance to make you acceptable unto God. Naaman was a man of good character. He was a man of great consequence. However, thirdly, he was a condemned man. He was a condemned man. Second Kings 5.1, once again, now Naaman. that little bitty word but it's a big word isn't it because he was a leper now leprosy is a horrible disease perhaps you you you've seen photos from brother Ekno's um, ministries of of the leprosy and leprosy is a horrible disease it is a disease that hideously deforms and disgraces the infected person all of Naaman's grandeur and honor could not protect him from this loathsome disease he could not command this away he could not hide it he, no matter how hard he tried. And this so perfectly pictures the lost soul today. No amount of character, no amount of importance, no amount of influence can hide the soul. It is diseased before God. And unless the soul is made whole, it cannot enter into the kingdom of God. For Jesus states in John chapter 3, verses 5 and 6, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, born of water, and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Naaman, with all his character, all his authority, all his power, was a leper. And he was powerless and helpless to change it. This morning, if you sit here and you're lost without Christ, you are powerless to change, to to. to cleanse your soul. You are powerless to make yourself acceptable unto God. God and God alone can change the heart and soul of man. Now let's step away from Naaman for a moment. Let's consider, secondly, the little maid of Israel. The little maid of Israel. Back in 2 Kings chapter 5, I've got to get to it real quick, in verse 2, we read of the little maid. We read here, and the Syrians had gone out by companies and had brought away captive out of the land of Israel a little maid, and she waited on Naaman's wife. Now, even less is told us of this little maid. We do not know her name. We do not know what city she lived in. We know practically nothing of her. However, once again, if you will allow me a little latitude here, I would like to state the obvious and I'd like to state, first of all, this little, concerning this little maid, she was a child of God. This little maid was taken captive, the Bible tells us, out of the land of Israel. Now certainly one may argue that we do not have proof that this little maid was a believer. However, given her faith in the prophet that was in Samaria to help her master, uh, I find it easy to assume that she is in fact a believer. Yes, this little maid had faith. 
And her faith caused her to speak out. Her faith caused her to to witness, if you will, of the power of her God to heal her master, Naaman. Another thing to consider is the possible repercussions for sending her master on a wild goose chase. I'm sure that Naaman would not have been too pleased if this little girl sent him on such an arduous journey just to meet with failure. He would have come home and she would have had to face the consequences of that action. Yet she had the faith to know that, it would, that, that Naaman would be healed. She was taking a great risk by speaking out. Yet I submit to you that it was her faith that caused her to speak. What about us today? What amount of faith do we have? In Romans chapter 1, Paul writes, So as much as in me is, I am ready to preach the gospel to you that are at Rome also. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. Too often today, we lack the faith as God's children to even influence those around us. Over the past 25 years, I've seen our nation drift farther and farther away from the Lord and from biblical principles. And I am afraid, as I stand here today, I have to tell you, it's our fault. And it's the faults of the pulpits of America. We have stopped preaching, thus saith the Lord, and have replaced it with a social gospel. But this little maid had faith. And she used her faith to help her master. And you and I, must, we must live by faith, and we must, we must take the faith that God has given us, and we must use it to influence our communities, influence our homes. Listen, revival will begin in the heart of the believer, and it'll spread to his home, then it'll spread to his church, then it'll spread to his community. But it all begins with you. You want to know how to get revival started? Draw a circle and step inside and say, Lord, revive everyone in this circle and let it start with you. Begin with you. This little maid was a child of God. But then secondly, I want you to see that she was compassionate. She was compassionate. Now, I want you to listen to me here. How easy it would have been for her to just keep her mouth shut. After all, these these people had stolen her away from her own home and taken her into a foreign land and pressed her into slavery. In fact... It may have been Naaman himself who captured her and took her away. We don't know. She could have just sat there and looked at Naaman, that old leper, and said, you deserve to die from leprosy, you dirty dog. She could have done that. Couldn't she? Couldn't she? And who could have blamed her? Could you blame her? If someone comes to your home and steals your child and takes him away and and makes him a slave, could you blame your child for hating that person? I couldn't. 
But did she hate him? No, she didn't. In fact, she loved him. There are two important lessons for us to learn right here. First, love your enemies. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 5. These are scriptures we're very familiar with. Pastor preached on these not very long ago. Matthew chapter 5. And we're going to read, beginning at verse number 38 from Matthew chapter 5. Now, I want, as we read these words, I want you to allow the Holy Spirit to burn these words into your heart and mind. Matthew chapter 5, beginning at verse 38. Ye have heard that it hath been said, an eye for an eye, and a tooth for a tooth. But I say unto you that ye resist not evil. But whosoever shall smite thee on thy right cheek, turn to him the other also. Now, now let, me, let me say, this is concerning our spiritual self. Okay? If you're walking down the street and some guy comes along and smacks you on the right cheek, uh, defend yourself by all means. But here the Lord is talking about when we are persecuted for our faith. Verse 40. And if any man will sue thee at the law and take away thy coat, let him have thy cloak also. And whosoever shall compel thee to go a mile, go with him twain. Give to him that asketh thee, and from him that would borrow of thee, turn not thou away. Ye have heard that it hath been said, Thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thine enemy. But I say unto you, Love your enemies. Bless them that curse you. Do good to them that hate you. And pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you, that ye may be the children of your Father which is in heaven, for he maketh his son to rise on the evil and on the good, and sendeth rain on the just and on the unjust. For if ye love them which love you, what reward have you? Do not even the publicans the same? And if you salute your brethren only, what do ye more than others? Do not even the publicans so? Be ye therefore perfect, even as your Father which is in heaven is perfect. Love your enemies. This little maid had every right and reason to hate Naaman, yet she loved him. She understood the principle of loving your, your neighbors. That includes your enemies. That includes those who desire to hurt you. And that's what she did. Let us learn to love our enemies. There's enough hatred in the world, isn't there? Isn't it time that God's people learn to love? And by the way, when you love your enemies, the Bible says ye heap, you, you heap coals of fire upon their head because nothing will move God's hand faster than his children loving their enemies and their enemies wronging them. Let God handle it. God is just and fair. He's equitable. Let him take care of all these things. Love your enemies. And then secondly, let me say this, put away bitterness. Put away bitterness. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 14 and 15, we read, Follow peace with all men and holiness, without which no man shall see the Lord. Looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. Harboring bitterness would not have only made this young girl miserable, but it also would have heaped sorrow and destruction upon Naaman. How many people, think about it for a moment, how many people are hurt by our bitterness? And why do we 
harbor it to begin with. Our Heavenly Father has forgiven us all the, all the wrong that we've done. Can we not forgive others? Why do we harbor bitterness? Listen, if someone did something to you, forgive them, forget about it, and go on. Bury it and be done with it. Don't be a grave robber. So often I, I, I'll counsel marital couples and they'll, they'll sit in my office and all of a sudden the wife is starting to dig up some old skeleton in the backyard, something that happened 19 years ago. Whoa, wait a minute. Whoa, time out. We're never going to get today's problem solved if we're going back 19 years. Forget about it. Give it up. Put away bitterness. Remember the admonition of the Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 12. We read it earlier. Recompense to no man evil for evil. Provide things honest in the sight of all men. If it be possible, as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. Therefore, if thine enemy hunger, feed him. If he thirst, give him drink. For in so doing, thou shalt he coals of fire on his head. Be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. If you're driving down the street and someone who, who has done nothing but cause you misery and heartache has a flat tire, pull over on the side, stop, get out, and help him change it. Don't drive by and almost hit him as you go by and say, yeah, you deserved it, you old dirty rat. I knew God would get you. And all of a sudden, you'll get a flat. You deserve it. Show some compassion. This little girl found herself in less than desirable circumstances, yet she did not wallow in pity. She accepted the situation and went about living by faith in God. She demonstrated compassion, even for those who had done so much wrong to her. And her compassion made all the difference in Naaman's life. And Jude tells us in verses 20 and 22 of his book, But ye... Beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost, keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life, and of some have compassion, making a difference. We've considered Naaman. We've considered the little maid, but there's one more person in this journey of faith that I want us to consider, and that's, thirdly, Elisha, the prophet of God. Elisha, the prophet of God. Now let's go back to 2 Kings chapter 5. And this time we'll read verse 8. 2 Kings 5, 8. And it was so when Elisha, the man of God, had heard that the king of Israel had rent his clothes, that he sent to the king, saying, Wherefore hast thou rent thy clothes? Let him come to me now, and he shall know that there is a prophet in Israel. Now, Elisha had no small role in this journey. Remember, Syria was the enemy of Israel. Now, Elisha, I am sure, was a patriot. He loved his nation. And now, all of a sudden, here is the general of the armed forces of Syria, the nation that had ravaged and harassed Israel, standing at his front door, desiring that he would make him whole, that he would save his life. Now, I am sure that all of us in this room would want to help anyone we can, right? 
You'd all say, I, I wouldn't want to hurt anyone. I'd want to help people, right? How many of you would say that? Raise your hand with me, huh? Yeah, that, that's what we want to do, right? However, the morning after 9-11, how many of us would have been ready to save the life of Osama bin Laden? How many of us, if Osama bin Laden knocked at our door and said, would you help me, what would we have done? Think about it. Say, what would you have done, Mr. Rapture, Brother Rapture? You know what? I'm not going to be like Peter and say, though all men forsake you, I don't know what I would have done. I might have reached across that threshold, grabbed him by the throat, and twisted his head off like a bottle cap. I don't know. I don't know what I would have done. I'd like to say I would have had great compassion and I would have helped. I'd like to say that. But I'm a red-blooded American. I'm redneck. And um, if Osama bin Laden had been standing in front of me after that cowardice and horrendous act, I don't know what I would have done. But I know what Elisha did. See, I do know that. Now, we've already discussed compassion when we examine the little maid, so I'm not going to belabor compassion here. But just imagine how you would feel in that situation. Yet Elisha took this opportunity to bring glory to the name of the Lord. I want you to notice with me two things. First, the intent of Elijah. In in 2 Kings 5.8, he said, Let him now come to me, and he shall know that there is a prophet in Israel. Elisha desired to make it known that that there is a prophet in Israel not only to Naaman the Gentile, but also to the king of Israel himself. For the king, if you study scriptures, had neglected and forgotten the man of God. And that's exactly the condition of our nation today. We as God's children have wandered so far from God that we have forgotten that God rules and reigns from on high. And this is obvious. For if we truly believe that God is sovereign then we would dare not defy him. We would not risk his wrath. Yet we do defy God constantly by our actions and behavior. Men, by their careless and sinful behavior, live as though there is no God to reckon with. And Elisha will demonstrate to both Israel and all of Syria that there is a God in Israel. And let me say this morning, parents, Your children need to know that there is a God. And they will not know that there is a God unless you live the life that needs to be lived before them. We talked about this Wednesday night in my my message Wednesday night, that there arose a generation that knew not God nor of his mighty works. And the reason that generation didn't know God was because their parents were careless enough to not teach them about God. And their pulpits were silent. So we see the intent of Elijah. Elijah's intent here was to show that there is a God. And then secondly, I want you to notice the integrity of Elisha. In 2 Kings chapter 5, let's look at verses 15 and 16. And he, he here being Naaman, and he returned to the man of God, he and all his company, and came and stood before him, and he said, Behold, Now I know that there is no God in all the earth but in Israel. Now, therefore, I pray thee, take a blessing of thy servant. 
But he said, As the Lord liveth before whom I stand, I will not receive, I will receive none. And he urged him to take it, but he refused. Wow, the integrity of Elisha. Can you imagine someone walking up to uh, Joel Osteen today and saying, Oh, Brother Osteen, you blessed my life. Here's a million dollars. And Joel Osteen would say, No, I won't take it. Yeah, I bet he would. Oh, brother, God bless you. I'll take your seed money and I'll buy it in my bank. I'll put it in the church. No, 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 no. Elisha was a man of integrity. Naaman sought to reward Elisha for his service, but Elisha had a very important message to send. That message was that this miracle was wrought of God. It was not by the hand or the labor of Elisha. It was by the sovereign work of God and God alone. And I'm appalled today at the lack of integrity in our pulpits across America. Men will stand in this holy office and lie. They will twist truth and they will seek to manipulate the hearts and the minds of their people. They will take the truth of God and turn it into lies, all the while making merchandise of men. Second Peter chapter 2, we read, But there, there were false prophets also among the people, even as there shall be false teachers among you who privately shall bring in damnable heresies, even denying the Lord that bought them, and bring upon themselves swift destruction. And many shall follow their pernicious ways, by reason of whom the way of truth shall be evil spoken of. And through covetousness uh, shall they with feigned words make merchandise of you, whose judgment now of a long time lingereth not, and their damnation slumbereth not. Listen. There's plenty of churches out there that just want to take all your money. They just want to take everything you've got, and they don't care anything about you. But Elisha wanted to show Naaman. He wanted to teach Naaman a lesson, and that lesson was that the miracle that had been, been uh, acted upon him was of God and God alone. Elisha was a man of integrity. He wanted the Gentile nations to know. He wanted the, the nation of Israel to know that God and God alone saves. Now look with me at 2 Kings chapter 5, verses 10 through 14. And Elisha sent a messenger unto him, saying, Go and wash in Jordan seven times, and thy flesh shall come again to thee, and thou shalt be clean. But Naaman was wroth, and went away, and said, Behold, I thought he would uh, surely come out to me and stand and Call in the name of the Lord his God and strike his hand over the place and recover the leper. Are not Abana and Farpar rivers of Damascus better than all the waters of Israel? May I not wash in them and be clean? So he turned and went away in a rage. So his, and his servants came near and spake unto him and said, My father, if the prophet had bid thee to do some great thing, wouldst thou not have done it? How much rather then, when he saith to thee, Wash and be clean? Then went he down and dipped himself seven times in Jordan, according to the saying of the man of God, and his flesh came again like unto the flesh of a little child, and he was clean. Naaman has been cleansed of his infirmity. He's been made whole. What did he lack? Remember the rich young ruler? What lack I yet? Acts chapter 4, verses 9 through 12, Peter states, If we this day be examined of the good deed done to the impotent man, 
by what means he is made whole, be it known unto you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom ye crucified, whom God raised from the dead, even by him doth this man stand here before you whole. This is the stone which was set at naught of you builders, which has become the head of the corner. Neither is there salvation in any other name, for there is none other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. This morning, which group do you fall into? Are, are you in the group of Naaman the leper? Then hear the voice of Christ calling you today. Come unto me. Come unto Christ and be cleansed today as Naaman was cleansed. Are you a believer? But you've wandered away from the Lord? Oh, look at the life of this little maid and be encouraged by her faith and return to the faith of your fathers. Return to the Lord for he is ready and prepared to forgive you of all things and set your feet on the straight path again. Are you an Elisha? Then live your life to show forth the power and the love of God. Let us pray. Father, thank you for this day. Lord, help us, each of us. Help us, strengthen us, teach us. Father, today we, our faith is weak. And we need you to strengthen it. Today, there may be some here who are lost. I pray that you would save them. Make us, each one of us, like that little maid, not a person of bitterness or not a person of anger, but of compassion, of kindness, of faith. Help us to be like Elisha, not to be greedy or or, or to be dishonest, but to be men and women of integrity with the intent of showing the world the love power and grace of God. Bless us now as we close in song. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's all stand.